Turn with me to 1 Peter. That's, if you're not real familiar with the Bible yet, it's way towards the back of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're also going to be in Hebrews chapter 5, which is not quite as far back in the Bible, but it's close there. So I've begun a series a number of weeks ago uh, dealing with maturity, the theme of maturity. And so what I want to do today is wrap up um, how we take care of ourselves to become mature in the faith. And then next week, well, no, I'm not going to be here next week. The following week, I'm going to begin um, dealing with how maturity really assists us as believers as we're dealing with day-to-day things, as life happens in front of us, how being solid, mature in the Lord helps us in those particular situations, and thus improves your walk with God, improves your relationships with others, improves the quality of your life, and is just a real blessing and benefit to you and to others and the body as well. So we'll start working through some of the practical uh, implications or ramifications or results from that. So 1 Peter chapter 2, if you've uh, found that. 1 Peter chapter 2, so the first tough question of the day, who do you think wrote the book? Well, I love the fact that some of you are quiet. 1 Peter chapter 2 was likely written by, or at least, or at least he recited it and somebody else, one of his helpers wrote it down. I love the uh, kind of, well, you know, trick question, right? Trick question. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, that always relates to what came previous to it. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. That's good stuff. Mature people do that. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So let me just deal with the text I want to deal with. It's 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I don't think it should come as a surprise to us that the illustration or the metaphor that the Apostle Peter uses to deal with growth has to do with mothers and newborns, with infants. It's one of those life realities that's in front of us all of the time. You saw a whole bunch of kids just exit the building, and so we're comfortable and familiar with children. Obviously, we're dealing with newborns here. That's the context of Peter's writings. And Peter says something that's obvious to all of us, that newborns need mother's milk. This is written 2,000 years ago. This is before technology, before supplements, before all of the other kinds of things that uh, moms can give their kids now. I remember back in the good old days when my wife was breastfeeding, but there was a period of time that she was unable to do that, and we bought the, what was it called, Infilac or Enfilac? And we were a single-income family. And I remember that stuff was like gold. That stuff, is it still pricey? Yeah, I mean, I'm talking like back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. It was, <laughs> it was like gold. So I can only imagine what it is now. And so as, as a dad, I'm like encouraging my wife breastfeed all you can, right? Because 
God made that and that's cheap, right? Very practical young dad. Very practical young dad. So that's something that was common in those days, obviously something that's common in these days, as I think most of you know, Taylor has a newborn, he's, I don't know, two or three months, no, I'm a grandpa, I don't really keep track, but I know that they've been tracking the weight and he's 14 pounds and something, and she's over at our house almost every day now that she's on maternity leave, and I know this, that he feeds all the time. God bless moms, that's all I got to say about that. Didn't think you were going to hear a course on breastfeeding, eh? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, when's the volunteer lunch? Hot dogs, hamburgers? Like, what's, what's that rolling around? Yeah, he's a little too comfortable with this subject. What's going on there? You wouldn't feed a newborn anything else, right? Not a newborn. Um, when Karen took one of our grandkids uh, to Disney a few weeks ago, um, and left me at home alone. So this is where I'm going. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. So it's Saturday night. She's been gone a couple of days. And uh, you know when you're eating, you know, when you're alone, right? Some of you know that. You live alone. And um, sometimes you feel like eating, sometimes you don't. So sometimes you make something quick or fast. And sometimes, you know, you feel like the full meal deal. So it's Saturday night. It's a nice evening. And um, before, before it was supper time, I went into Windsor and I bought myself a really nice thick steak. Really good one. And uh, I cooked it and some, you know, some baked potatoes and some vegetables and some homemade mushrooms. And I took a picture of it and I sent it to Karen. Because <laughs> I knew she was on the Disney dining plan and not the deluxe plan. She was on the all-you-can-eat french fries and hamburger plan. And I sent that to her. It was awesome. I mean, it was really, re I mean, I just, Al, I nailed it, buddy. I nailed it. It was perfect. Nice and pink through the middle. Now, if I had happened to have Cohen with us, our, you know, our, our latest addition to the family, and said to him, buddy, it's done medium, actually medium rare. It's pink in the middle. It's juicy. I got some sour cream on the baked potatoes. I got some little baby mushrooms, not the big ones. Just the, I looked for the little baby mushrooms so I didn't have to cut them up or anything like that. They're just brown nicely. Mm -mm. Wouldn't you like some of this with Bubba? That's what my grandkids call me, those who can talk. I'm Bubba. Wouldn't you like some of that with Bubba, right? And his answer, if he could talk, would be, you know, all I want is mom's milk. All I want is mom's milk. That's what I like. Mom's milk is good for me. In this text, it's telling us this. When you're newborn spiritually, when you're new in the Lord, what you want is the spiritual milk, and there's nothing wrong with that. You, you, you start off slow, you start off easy, you accumulate a little bit at a time, you put on a few ounces here and there, and when the child gets to a certain size, then the child and the parents decide that it's time to move on to something else, and again, it's all a long time ago for me, but I remember, you know, words like pablum and stuff like that, and what our kids really liked the most was the, the little jars of sweet potatoes. Oh, they love the sweet potatoes. But there's a lot of other horrible stuff eh, that we tried to feed our kids back in those days, and they just kind of flip that back at you when you were like leaning over. Remember? 
Some of you are going through it now. Some of you remember. So back in the good old days, there was no supplements. There was no infilac. There was none of that stuff. Newborns got their mom's milk, and that's exactly what newborns should get. They shouldn't expect to get anything else. And what do newborns do? I tell you, like I said, our, our latest addition, Cohen, is over at our house all the time. And man, he's got a high-pitched voice when he's hungry. And when he's hungry, he lets mom know. And so when the Bible says here in 1 Peter 2 and 2 that they crave mom's milk, boy, do they ever. And when they want it, they want it now. The idea here is that for, for physical newborns, that it's mom's milk that helps the child begin to grow physically. Obviously, Peter is talking about spiritual newborns. We think that Peter's writing to a bunch of Christians in a large geographic area. We get the impression that many of them, not all of them, but many of them are new or newer to the faith. And he's simply encouraging them to just gradually grow in their faith. Not to take on too much too soon too fast, but to be satisfied with drinking the milk learning the scriptures little by little, beginning to understand the doctrine little by little, and then eventually beginning to live it out. And that's what he's talking about in 1 Peter 2, verse 1. It's not part of the text today, but that's what he's talking about. He's talking about working it out, growing up in their faith and working it out. And if you want some information about the working out, last week's sermon's already online for you, and you can listen to that to give you some background. The idea is to eat age appropriately. Now, I know many of you are listen, uh, used to hearing the drink age appropriately. I'm talking about eating age appropriately here. Milk is the best and only food for newborns, but as the newborns grow up, they need more. Now, they might still drink mom's milk for a long time, and I know everybody's got their opinions on that, mothers and so on. They'll drink milk for a long time from their mom, but eventually they'll take on what we call solids. They begin to take the next steps to growth and maturity. And here he says, look, verse 2, like newborn babies crave the, the pure spiritual milk, but the point being this, so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you begin to taste and you see that the Lord is good, that it's good being a Christ follower, it's good following in love with Jesus, it's good going to church, it's good going and being part of the church family, all of those new beginning things are all very important to us. But the purpose here is to grow up in your salvation. So we got that, right? That's easy stuff. But what we find out in the scriptures is that not everybody does this. And so let me take you to another passage of Scripture. So let's leave 1 Peter, make a left, and go to Hebrews chapter 5. Same theme. Different author, likely, different book of the Bible, but the theme has not changed. That's why I'm going to this section as well. Hebrews chapter 5. Give you a moment to find that. Of course, it's behind me as well. It's nothing wrong, though, with digging it out in your Bible regardless of what technology you're using. The apostle says this. We have much to say about this. So we have much to say about some other things. But the apostle says to these groups, this group of believers, but it's hard to make it clear to you 
because you no longer try to understand. Now, I love the way the, new, the 2011 New International Version of the Bible cleans that up from the New International Version 1984. I love the way it cleans up. Let me tell you what the 84 version says. Obviously, in our politically correct society, even these Bible scholars got together and said, let's make it a little easier to digest. So instead of saying, uh, because you are no longer trying to understand, in the 84 version of the NIV, it says this, because you are slow to learn. So take offense, right? So you understand why they cleaned that up. Probably doesn't do any harm to the original language, to the Greek but it's just kind of sensitive to the society in which we live these days. So I'm gonna read it the old fashioned way. The writer says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because some of you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. See, theme is the same. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food, King James says meat, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, again, last thing we want to do here at Essex Gospel Community Church is offend you. Well, maybe not all the time. King James says meat. Good translation, though. You need solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings. Now, look what he says are the elementary teachings. He calls these the elementary teachings. These are kind of the beginning things, the things that we should grasp, you know, relatively soon in our walk with God. You might not think of these as, as being elementary teachings. Beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and being taken forward to maturity, not laying again, here they are, the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those are what this writer calls elementary teachings, the foundational stuff, the things that we ought to digest, not saying within three months or three, th three weeks or three months, but, but it probably shouldn't take three years or 13 years or 30 years either. And so the juxtaposition here is when you're a newborn, spiritual milk is good. But if you've been journeying with the Lord for a while and you are still on milk, not solid food, then that's not good. If you don't have a grasp of the, the doctrines, the, the basic, the foundations, if you're not able to distinguish between good and evil, and you've been walking with the Lord for some time, and again, I know it's always hard to put a number on what that some time is, but I think you probably know. I may not know for you, but you probably know. The Bible tells us that that's not good. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this as careless as I possibly can, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just want you to grasp the absurdity of it all. If you had a 12-year-old nursing at his mother or her mother, you know, breast, you would think that was outrageous, right? You would be wondering why they weren't moving on to the steak, the pretty picture of the steak and the baked potatoes that I had at that age. 
you would see that as ludicrous. And so what the Bible is telling us here, when you're a newborn, when you're an infant in Christ, you don't apologize for drinking milk. That's what you're supposed to be having. As a church, we need to be sensitive for those that are new in the faith or newer in the faith, that we're not giving you more than you can handle, more than you can digest. That's not good. If we're going to talk about things, we need to explain things well. But then there does come a stage in our life where you leave the milk behind and you move on to solid food. And if I can put it in my own words, instead of craving the pure spiritual milk, now you crave the pure spiritual food. I mean, I look at it this way, man. Anytime steak time, and again, I apologize if you don't eat meat. You know, I, w my daughter-in-law doesn't eat meat. We're, we're learning to adjust to make things for her when she comes. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the steak. I'm looking forward to the ribs. We're having hot dogs and hamburgers in about 35 minutes or so. You know. It's about growing up. When, when the writer to the Hebrews refers to these people as infants, it means this. The Greek word means unskilled or inexperienced. So they haven't learned to, to either do things for themselves or to do things for others. Because that's the way it's worded there, I don't want you to think too negatively that these people are all whiners and spiritually immature and all of those things. Uh, that's not really the gist of what the writer is saying here. But one of the things that he is saying here is that they ought to be teachers and they still need someone to teach them. They haven't grown up. I remember when I was in grade 12 accounting, my teacher's name was Mrs. Solomon. And um, one of my best friends uh, back in high school days, in fact, I went to university with her. One of my best friends was in that class. Her name was Ethel Kingston. Ethel was a, like, top-shelf, straight-A Brilliant, brilliant student. And went on to become, you know, a chartered accountant and all that stuff. Loved accounting. I remember when we were in the... Uh, the accounting room one day, and Mrs. Solomon was working on a problem on the blackboard. Chalk. Okay. And she couldn't get it. So she was a little frustrated with herself that whatever she was doing wasn't working out. She, she wasn't getting the problem. And so finally, Ethel put up her hand and said, you know, after a while, because you got to be careful as a student, right? After a while, after there was, you know, we were all kind of sitting there, Ethel said, Mrs. Solomon, can I help you? And the rest of us very quietly under our breath went, because oh. she's like, I'd never seen that before, right? So Ethel goes up to the board and problem solved, right? There's, there's a time where the students become the teachers. That's normal. That's spiritual progression. There is a time when we realize that we cannot depend on others 
for all of our spiritual care that we need to care properly for ourselves. Last week, working it out. And then there's also this understanding that hopefully at some point down the road that we will be able to pour into the lives of others, that we want to become teachers of God's word. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you got a title or an office. It just means that you're there discipling others, that you understand that as someone that has started off with the pure spiritual milk and has moved on to solid food, eventually becomes a discipler of others. You continue to take care of yourselves, but you're more outward focused and not inward focused. It's not about me, it's about them. That's proper growth in the church where we realize that we're, we're to grow up so that we can continue to give away. He says to them that they're no longer trying to understand. Again, 84 version of the NIV says slow to learn. If it's true that they're no longer trying to understand, that's discouraging. When you get people in the church that are like, you know what? I think, I've no, I, think I know everything I need to know. I don't need to grow anymore. I got it figured out. At least I got, I got the minimum. I got the minimum. Any of you like to run around with the, the gas light on? Anybody confessing? Oh, a couple. Yeah, yeah. Gaslight on, right? Run on the minimum. I've got it figured out in my journey just how far I can go. But I tell you, I've sweated a few times. And when I was coming back from a training seminar on Thursday, I had passed Comber and my light was on and I'm like, hmm, this is at the outer reaches here, Brent. And I thought to myself, where's the gas can in the garage? Because I thought I'm going to have to call home, tell Karen to get the gas can, and depending on you know what exit I run out of gas by, I'm going to have to get her to run this way, come around, pull in, whatever. Anyways, I got home. I got home Thursday, drove to the office Friday, drove back home for lunch, drove back to the office, and then the next day before I did a hospital visit, I finally stopped and got some gas. Because I was cocky, because I was in Essex, and I was thinking, well, the walk won't be that long. Right. Running on the minimum. I, I've got the minimum. It's all I need is the minimum. I don't need to understand revelation. I don't need to understand salvation. I don't need to read the Old Testament. I mean, my goodness, they're thick. Who reads that stuff? I hated history in high school anyways, right? Running on the minimum. Unwilling. Not trying to understand. Not trying to work it out for themselves looking to others all of the time to explain it or to do it or to carry the load. Hebrews 5 and 14, not training themselves. A lack of the word. It talks there about by constant use. Go back to Hebrews chapter 5. By constant use. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Solid food there is, again, just another word. It's just another expression for the word. They're, they're used to the word. They're used to digging into the word, growing in the word. And through constant use of the word, by constantly immersing themselves in the word, they have matured and they can understand the difference between what's good for me and what's not because it would appear in contrast to some in this church that they still haven't figured that out. Never mind trying to understand, you know, the deity and the humanity of Christ, you know, the theological stuff. They're still trying to sort out, well, should I do that or shouldn't I do that? 
Is that appropriate for a Christ follower or not appropriate for a Christ follower? Is that good for me or is that not good for me? They're still trying to sort that stuff out. Never mind being teachers. It sounds like they were unwilling to make the effort. You and I have to understand that the only way to grow and mature is through constant use of the word. The word is applied to us in many ways, folks. And, and this is what we're going to get into in a couple of weeks' time when we talk about the application of this. Don't think that I'm just talking about reading the word. Hey, Brent, is all that you're talking about is, you know, taking 15 or 20 minutes a day just to read the word? That's part of it. But by constant use of the word means this, that you are constantly applying the word of God in every area of your life, all day long, seven days a week, for as long as you live. So when you read that word in the morning, and it's talking to you about how to be a great employee or a great boss or a great mom or a great dad or whatever it is, that you're applying that during your weekdays, during your weekends. When it's speaking to you about showing love and grace and kindness and mercy, that you're looking for opportunities to show that. It's not just about taking 10 or 15 minutes every day, reading the word, saying, okay, I've done my thing, and then go on like it hasn't even spoken to you or, 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 or hasn't given any opportunity to change you at all. The whole idea of maturing means that we take the word of God into all of our life situations. And we really do ask the question that was big you know, 20 years ago, what would Jesus do? What's the word telling me to do here? How am I supposed to respond? I know how I'd like to respond. What's the word saying to me how I should respond? By, by constant use of the word. When kids don't grow, going back to the natural, the physical, sometimes genetic plays a role. Sometimes in some parts of the world there's malnutrition. Sometimes there's emotional and physical abuse that affects the growth of kids. Sometimes there's disease. There's a number of different reasons why kids don't grow. Spiritually speaking, it's always linked back to a lack of reading the word, understanding the word, and applying the word to every area of our lives. And in this particular case, it sounds like there's simply a lack of effort. They're just not trying. They just don't care. Now, it's hard for me to believe because this is a big part of what I do for a living is teaching God's word, that there are Christ followers that don't care what the Bible says and, and don't care about, you know, kind of figuring it out and living it out in their daily lives that feel like, well, church attendance, church participation is really all I need to do and I can ignore the word, really, and no harm will come to me. There's growth delay and there's growth decay in these people. They should be teachers, but they still need someone to teach them. They're encouraged to leave the elementary teachings and to go on to maturity. They're reminded that they shouldn't be laying, again, foundations for things that they should have already mastered by now. Growth delay and growth decay. They're not even interested in growing. So again, let's remember, let's eat age appropriately. As newborns, we crave the pure spiritual milk 
We start off with just a little bit. We, we begin to read the Bible. We begin to go to, to church and, and hear others teach the Bible. And little by little, we gain strength. We gain wisdom. We gain understanding. And there will come a time, and you will know, where you realize you need to move on to more. That what you've been getting isn't enough. It doesn't mean that you quit reading the Bible. It doesn't mean that you quit going to church. But it does mean that you start doing some of those things in different ways. Because you're looking for more. What are some of the benefits from moving to, to milk? From milk to solid food? And what are some of the consequences for not maturing? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Just follow along with me here for a number of more minutes, and we'll get you out to your burgers. Hebrews 5 and 11. When I'm reading that, where it talks about their unwillingness to learn, I look at this from a leadership point of view. What a frustration that is to the leaders of the church, to those of your brothers and sisters in the Lord that are more mature and are working on it, doing their best to grow. Again, when you're newborn, there's nothing wrong with drinking the milk. But when you're past that stage and you're still drinking the milk and you're not willing to take on solid food, that's frustrating to leaders in the church who are asking you now to begin to do things for God and do things in the church. And you're like, well, no, 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 I'm still not ready. Or I don't want to do that. Or I'm not interested in that. Or that might take some time or some energy or some work. I'm not interested in that. That becomes a frustration point to the leaders. It therefore becomes, Hebrews 5, verse 12, a burden to the body. Because the church is still the church family. Everybody's still a part of the church family. The numbers are continuing to grow. There are mature people there. But there's, there's still a limited number of people to do the heavy lifting. And so it falls on the same people all of the time. Or if you're the kind of person that is a newborn or is a somebody who is no longer a newborn, and this is really what the gist is. It really has nothing to, about being a newborn anymore. It is somebody that by now ought to be mature in the faith that isn't. They're still behaving like infants. That becomes work for the body. Because they're still dealing with the infant behavior of those that are now or should be now mature. I'm thinking of my grandson again. It'll be nice when he says to us, hey, I'm hungry, rather than this. Because that's how he communicates it now. And I'm old enough now that I, I, I go find a weed on the lawn, you know. I, I'm looking for something else to do when that's unveiling. Hebrews 5 and 14. These people are unhealthy because they are undisciplined. If they're still dealing with the elementary stuff, if they still haven't mattered that, uh, mastered that, that means that they're undisciplined, that they continue to need more care and more outside care. So again, let's go back to kids again, right? You got a 12-year-old, and you can say to your 12-year-old, you know what, mom and dad are going out for an hour. We'll be back, and you can pretty much assume, depending on how well you've done with your kids, that the house won't be burned down by the time you get back. But if you've got a three-year-old, and we've got one of those too, and you just said to them, hey, Kate, you know what? Grandma and Grandpa are going to be gone for a few hours. You just take care of the cats, and we'll be back in a couple. <laughs> That's probably not a good idea, right? Because they need care. 
They can't care for anybody because they need care. At that age, your whole world revolves around you. It all revolves around you. One of the great signs that we're maturing is that we begin to, as, as Philippians says, we can begin to look to the needs of others and not always to our own needs. That's a good sign that you're growing up when you're thinking about how can I help others rather than what help can others give to me. That's a sign of maturity. It goes on to say in 5 and 14 that they're vulnerable to sin because they haven't learned to distinguish between good and evil. These people are still struggling with sin. They should be past it by now. They should have it figured out. They should understand about walking in the light of the word. And then this isn't part of the text, but if you kept reading from Hebrews 5 and went into Hebrews 6 and you went all the way down to verse 6, the tragedy here is, is that the writer is saying that it is likely that some of these people are going to fall away. That they have not taken care of themselves well enough that life is going to play out and they're going to fall away. But what are the benefits from moving from milk to solid food? Well, the opposites to all of those. Let me give you three. Five and 14, personal discipline, training. They're in spiritual shape. They can take care of themselves. They don't need a lot of outside help. All of us need the body. I've already talked about that. But we're not dependent upon others for every little thing. Hebrews 5 and 14, that we can distinguish good from evil. In other words, sin doesn't become the danger that it is to others. Because, I don't know, pardon me for sounding crazy Wesleyan here for a while. But I mean, you get to the point, right, where, as, as Paul says in, in Romans, sin isn't your master. You're not always like, well, should I or shouldn't I anymore? You're not tempted to do that stuff anymore. You're not tempted to say that stuff, to think that stuff, because you're past it. Like you left that behind a long time ago, and that's not bragging. It's just part of growth. I mean, if you're still struggling with every little sin all of the time, and you've been walking with the Lord five, ten years or so, I mean, there has definitely been something wrong with your spiritual formation. Good news is we can help you with that. But I mean, that shouldn't be the issue anymore. Hebrews 5 and 12, that you're beginning to teach others. I mean, the Bible says to go into all the world and make disciples. Guess who makes disciples? Oh, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Brent, Pastor Adam, and Pastor Jess do. Maybe a gung-ho board member or two. Who makes disciples? We do. There's way too many people for the 10 of us to be making disciples in this church. You need to be a part of that. You take care of yourselves, but you learn as you mature to take care of others. So let me give you the plan, and then we're done. Here's the plan. Here's the wrap-up. Honest. Let me give you the plan. How do we make sure that we move from pure spiritual milk, from infancy in the Lord to maturity? I got, I got six things you got to do, okay? Number one, understand this, that the emphasis is based on the word. Verse 14 of Hebrews 5. By constant use, by being in the word, the, the solid food, Bible says that they have trained themselves. So how do we do that? Number one, develop a Bible reading or Bible studying plan if you're not doing that. 
God's Word for Today, a Bible app. I've got a picture of that. You can go online on our church. We've got a devotion there. You can read a verse or you can read a chapter. You can read a thought and you can comment it where others will chime in as well. They get to read what you're talking about as well, so behave yourself. <laughs> Begin reading your Bible. You know, I would suggest you do it by books. Old Testament or New Testament, I don't really care. But, but read it by books and, and, and don't read it like a novel. Read it slowly, digest it. The Spirit of God wants to say something to you. The idea, folks, is not how quick you can get through the book. It's that giving time for the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to change us, challenge us. Two, attend church regularly and take notes. Or at least... It happens. Go to Bible study. Or do a Bible study if you can't go to Bible study. Join a small group. Bible studies Wednesday night, Thursday morning. A little bit of variety there. Join a small group two times a year, seven weeks. Read good books, books that challenge your faith, your thinking, and your intellect, that help you to grow in Christ. And a great way to do this is where Sue. Sue, hope, Sue around, Dan? There you are, Sue. How come the two of you aren't sitting together? <laughs> like, you're not even in the same section, man. Like, is it a problem? Did he do something? Because I'm assuming it's the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll call Adam for counseling for sure. 1-800, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Two things I really respect about Sue. Obviously, one is not choice in marriage, but... <laughs> I didn't lose you now, did I? Did I lose you now? Sometimes too far, eh? Sometimes too far. Just kidding, Dan. That is your name, right, Dan? Dan? Yeah. Two things I love about Sue, because she's in the Bible study. Sue knows her Bible. Sue knows her Bible as good as anybody else in this church does. And Sue knows good books. So if you need some help finding a good book on growth, don't come see me. Go see Sue. I just feel like I'm going to break into the See Me Leo commercial now. Like, just... <laughs> I've talked about some other things. Iron sharpening iron, other people helping us grow. There's, there's other things in here. But, but do you see the, the top words? The plan. Do you have any kind of spiritual growth plan? Like, do you got a plan? Are you working a plan? Or do you just hope that it happens? You know, I, I hope I, you know, I hope during the week I can just, I got some minutes to fill in there and I'll do that as haphazardly as I need to, but have a plan. This is just some helps. The church has help for you. All kinds of help. This doesn't mean that you can't find other resources. Of course, we realize we're not the only resource. But if you want to grow in the Lord, you have to take charge, charge of your spiritual growth. Nobody can do that for you. We can come alongside and help, but nobody can do that for you but you. But we'd love to be a help and a blessing. So get into the Word. Make sure the church becomes a part of your life that you're there actively listening 
Bible studies, if you can't go, do one online, small groups, all kinds of different topics and different groups throughout the year. Good books, my goodness, our church has, has the benefit of a library. If you tap into it appropriately, you have a real opportunity there. And then the last thing is, and would you stand with me? If you haven't started, start today.